Welcome to the Sports Fan Radio podcast. In this episode, we speak with Dane Roy, the former Peter's Ice Cream Sales representative who won an AFL long kick contest and ended up punting for the University of Houston in 50 college games. Our special guest today is Dane Roy. I'll throw to you, Judge, to uh, say a few words. Welcome to Sports Fan Radio, Dane. Thanks for coming on. Just by way of background, for those of you who don't uh, follow American football uh, that closely, Dane is a bit of a superstar in uh, great uh, ambassador for Australian ambassador, having transferred across to America uh, a few years ago. Dane will tell us more about it, but uh, joined, joined college football uh, as a punter uh, with uh, the University of Houston and has been so successful there as a, um, well, the, the equivalent of the, uh, the Brownlow in uh, his competition as the Ray Guy Award. And as I understand, uh, Dane, you were a Ray Guy finalist uh, in 2019, uh, indicating uh, your proficiency in the game. Uh, I just wonder if you tell us a bit about yourself, uh, your Aussie Rules career and how you got into that crazy game in America. Yeah, it's a bit of a whirlwind story. So I, I consider myself very lucky, but um, I grew up in uh, Bunyip, played footy for the Bulldogs and then um, lucky enough to try out for Gippsland Power in 2007 and somehow made that team. And then after that, I went to Bendigo Bombers in uh, 2008. And then uh, local football from there, a couple of teams along the way, uh, Kangaroo Flat, Rock, Pakenham, then back to Rock. And then I played amateurs for Richmond Centrals just to have fun. And that was probably my, the most fun I'd have playing football. And then during that time, uh, the Carlton Draft had a, a barrel time competition in 2015 about long kick competition. And I somehow won that with the last kick of the um, the competition in the grand final, quarter time of uh, 2015 grand final. When you say you somehow won it, you won it because you had the longest kick, which I think was 73 metres. That yeah, right? that's correct. Mm-hmm. I, um, you just had to do the right thing at the right time. And uh, I'd, I'd won like the heats and then the, the semi-final and I got to the grand final and I was kicking against... Um, Hayden Burgile from Mafra and um, another guy from Wangaratta. And then those two had some bad kicks. At the, they had two kicks, no warm-ups. And then I, I went last and I was winning by default by the, the next time they came around for their second kick. And um, then uh, Hayden kicked a 66-metre one and I was like, all right, well, I don't know how I'm going to beat that. But um, somehow pulled a 73-metre out. And then just the crowd went wild. The crowd were pretty um, wild already after the Hawks kicked like five goals in the first quarter. So that was pretty cool. And it turned out that would be um, something I would do more often and kick in front of massive crowds. And and after that, I, I won a, uh, a trip to America, saw how big college football was and was also working with Pro Kick at the same time, learning how to punt. And then they said, well, if you want to go over there, you can. You've got the skills. You've got the education as well. So... Um, I had a chat to my family and I said, all right, I'm really going to take take a shot at this because I was in a position in my work at Peter's Ice Cream where I had kind of like plateaued and I couldn't get to the next level because I didn't have a, um, a degree. So I said, it kind of makes sense. And so I went over and played uh, four years, 50 games, captain in the last season and a few games in the season, in the second last season. And yeah, just took advantage of the opportunity that was presented to me. I would not believed in a million years you'd tell me growing up that you'd go to America and punt for a college football team. Like, I didn't even know what that was a couple of years ago. So, yeah. And then uh, last year, as you touched on the uh, Ray Guy Award, I was beaten out by Max Duffy, who was a former Fremantle player. 
and um, he has a, a really good awesome award, season. by the way. What is that award for? Uh, it's for the best punter in college football. So uh, they each week they give out a, a nomination for the best punter. Uh, I was unable, I didn't actually win it, uh, win an award for a weekly prize, but um, by the end of the year, my uh, consistency was a lot better than everyone else's. And then I uh, got uh, taken along to Atlanta to the College Football Awards and uh, met all the uh, famous players like Joe Burrow. Like I had a chat with him in the elevator and made him laugh, as I like to say. We were, um, all the punters were in the, the lift with a few other really talented players. And I said, there are a lot of talented punters in this lift. And um, he kind of had a laugh. And so uh, that was pretty funny. But um, yeah, that was a really awesome experience. I got myself a free suit that was nice and fitted as well. And that's, well, that's the perks of the job, so to say. But um, yeah, it was a crazy final year. And um, it was totally different to the previous years because I kind of changed my style. And now I could like kick away from the returner and let the ball roll on instead of the traditional style, which would just be kicking it as high as you can and making the guy like, say, all right, don't touch me. I'm just going to catch it, and then we'll walk off. Fair catch, so to say. Did you ever have any um, Severio Roca moments? Uh, I remember when he uh, started off there, he forgot the rule that anyone can hit you after you've kicked it. Um, he was hit that hard. I haven't seen a hit that big since Rumble in the Jungle. He, he was knocked into next week, and I remember the commentator saying, Severio Roca, welcome to the NFL. That was a that was a bit of a cheap shot because I think the guy got flagged for that, and then um, the, the his teammates obviously stood up for him. But uh, now nah, no one no one decided to try and do that to me because I was actually pretty big for a punt. I'm six foot seven. Well, Sam's not exactly jockey size. Mm. Well, but then when you're in the NFL, everyone joins you. But um, there was a no one on the field at the same time was my size, except for a couple of players during the the, the time punting. But um, I never became um i think one guy tried to, to block me once but i just like ran around him well, seven kicked it i don't Can't... know if it was 73 meters like your effort but he was just pretty much admiring his handiwork yeah and then someone's just come out of the blue and hit him into next week bit of a dog dog act from them it's uh yeah no hasn't happened to me dane gelding here maybe for our listeners kicking an aussie rules footy 73 meters i suppose you went the big torp yep yep had, had now, to do that barrel time yeah, then changing to an American football, the difference in the footballs. And, of course, as you talked about before, the hang time is so important. Um, how did you find adjusting from just doing a big barrel uh, on the MCG to go and trying to kick a ball, you know, so high in the air so your players can run down the field to get there? It was a bit of a, tr- a transformation because... Uh... Usually with uh, Aussie rules, you've got kick, uh, people kicking the ball like Matt Suckling across their body and stuff and using the torque of the ball with um, a pro kick. They teach you to be like straight up and down and like use the power of the leg coming up. You don't want the leg swinging across. You want to get all that power coming through. So Nathan and Johnny at pro kick are, um, are really, really good with how they, they train people and you, you kind of uh, take advantage all the time you can get because once you're over in America, it's pretty much you teach yourself um, mm-hmm. you continue teaching yourself because there's no one over there to help you. You can do your virtual stuff, but um, it was a bit of a, uh, a shock to the system. The first night I actually punted, I was, um, I think my foot bruised up a lot because I, I didn't know how to hit the ball properly. And it's such a different ball, very pointy. And it, I would consider the change like a um, tennis player hitting with a ping pong ball or a, a golf ball. It's just, 
a lot smaller and there's lots of room for error. And why do the Australians seem to be so proficient at it? You said the, in the other award, a Fremantle player was up there. We've had a lot of Australians playing the game. Is there a, a thing about the Australian game that lends itself to American football? Yeah, definitely. It's the natural ability of like an Australian uh, footballer just to know how to, to twist the foot or just to that, that sixth sense of what you do when you're about to drop the ball. It just comes at a natural uh, ability. And I got to, um, to show off my natural ability in my final season. And the coaches, the new coaches came in because that's what happens is a coaching merry-go-round in, in the college football. All coaches change all the time. These new coaches came in and said, all right, do what you need to do. This is the style we want. So they kind of trusted me. And so I could like um, just like pretend to do some day cost kicks and just roll them around and uh, get the ball rolling on the ground. Because usually if it hits the ground, the returner is told from the coaches, don't touch it. Because if it hits you and it bounces away, then it's a free ball and you could lose it. So um, and then you, you, you learn how to uh, like utilize the curl of the ball and push it out to the side and if uh, you can fake it as well by looking over that way and then kicking it that way and and it really um, makes the most of uh, the rules in college that are a little bit different to the rules in the NFL. In college, you can send everyone as soon as the ball is snapped back to me, but in NFL, you can only send two and then until you've kicked it, then the rest can go. So it's a bit different in college to NFL and um, that's probably why people are a bit hesitant in the NFL to kind of use, uh, to try and use that style right now. It will happen maybe 10 years. So. What about say, the, on the, on the, the curl of the ball issue, I forget which Australian NFL punter it was, but they kick the ball so differently because um, in training they use those um, spinning tires to just put the ball yeah, up in the, the air. Jugs machines, I think they call yeah. But this Australian punter was so revolutionary, his kicks were very hard to catch because they landed differently. It was just yeah. a completely different, I forget which Aussie it was, but just revolutionary, a different spin on the ball. Yeah, there's some um, some lucky uh, punters have that ability to like make the ball like just stop and drop and actually curl back under. So like the return has to come in and like maybe even drop the ball sometimes. Because that's the most going, important skill in the NFL the is dropping it in that zone and making it land like on a pin cushion, yeah. isn't it? That, that's, and that's very yeah. hard to do. Where a lot of them just blasted into the end zone. Yeah, consistency, accuracy, and touch—it's all—it's all what the coaches want, so they can just trust you and not stuff up. Dan, the gelding again—the um, drop punt. A few of the Aussie punters have all of a sudden developed a drop punt type of style of kicking. Did you ever think of doing that or want to do that? And what do you think? You know, yeah. What did the Americans think when all of a sudden a, an Aussie kicker kicks a drop punt, which would have, I presume, come naturally to you? Yeah, I actually um, used the drop punt in my first three seasons because um, I was a bit nervous before my first season, so I just decided to kick drop punt for the first game and I had a pretty good game. So I was like, I'll just yeah. keep doing that because it's really, really consistent. That's one thing the coaches like. They're like, well, if you can just kick it 40, 45 yards every time and it's like straight to where you kick it, we'll just do that. Not yeah. knowing that if you stuff it up, it probably goes a bit shorter Whereas if you kick like the spiral, you could get a bit longer, but it could go further away. And it's like, that's, um, it's, it's kind of like a, a catch 21 and where the coach is like, all right, we'll do the, um, we do the, the drop punt, but then you don't have the, um, the good results of like a spiral. So they're like, and then you, you get more like, hang time with a drop punt. 
You can get the same stuff, yeah. You can get right. if you if you kick a forty yard kick, you probably want a four or four second five hang time. Second hang yeah. time. 45, you want four or five and a five or something like that. But, um, Make this the right way, Dane. Um, in the NFL, the, the kickers and the punters sort of sit down the end of the bench, almost like the little kids at a barbecue on their own little table. But then then when the kicker kicks the match winner, you think it's Hugh Hefner. Like yeah. Everyone's piling on and they've barely spoken to the bloke the whole game down the end of the bench with all the super... Not saying you're not a superstar, but in college, was it the same that you're sort of your own little squadron? I think Anyone we, kind of like, we kind of like that as well because... I, um, I, we want to just blend in for the whole game. If no one even knows we're there, we've done, we've done a good job because the worst thing is, is when, like, when people know your name and it's not for a good reason, it's like, oh, Scott I Norwood. can do my job. Like Scott Norwood at the Bills, yeah. Dane, what's your uh, future for the game? This year's obviously been a bit of a, a write-off with COVID, but uh, what's your plans for the, the future of the game? Yeah, this year was very disappointing, obviously, with COVID happening. It, I, I like to put it in perspective. It's like my life's actually pretty good if the worst thing that happened to me was like I didn't get this opportunity. And so I, I can't be too worried because I still have my health. I'm with family and friends now at the moment. So, like, I'm, I'm happy with that. But, um, yeah, if everything went to plan, I would have had, like, uh, meetings and tryouts back in, like, March and April with teams. And then I would have had a um, – would have found a team with preseason, played a preseason game even – but that wasn't even an option this year. And um, I, I managed to get a workout with the Houston Texans in August, but um, I, uh, I didn't fit the bill for them. So I've headed back. I ran out of money, ran out of time. My visa was nearly up. So come back here to work a bit and then um, see what happens over the next few months and all that. And uh, yeah, you never know if something happens in January. Cool. If it doesn't, that's, then you just got to move on with life and, and not get caught up with things because that's like the mindset of a specialist anyway. If you keep thinking about what just happened, you, you'll stuff up the next thing that happens and you never know what's coming around the corner. And Dane, you're known as the ice cream guy. Um, in the, can you just explain how that comes about and show us your uh, little celebration? My, um, my previous job before I went to the uh, University of Houston, I was an ice cream salesman at Peter's Ice Cream. So I would um, call up the warm calls and like, get the uh the truck coming around to the the places to, to fulfill their orders but um the media took it the wrong way and they all thought i was an actual ice cream salesman like scooping it into the ice cream and, and doing all that so um, in my final season someone said hey you're probably going to punt a lot and you probably have some really good punts so you need to think of um like a celebration to do so people like remember you so i was like i'll just give him the ice cream scoop. So I'll go like that as I'm running off. And they loved it. They didn't know what it was at the start. They're like, did he just crack a beer on the field? <laughs> Very good. It looked terrific. Yes, sir. Now, Dane, there's a, a couple of stats that I saw on, uh, on your page that really intrigued me for a punter. And that is that you've actually got a successful pass completion for a touchdown. Oh, I think, um, you know, when you, you catch a big fish and every time you tell the story, it just gets getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I think that's what's happened here because um, I didn't actually throw it for a touchdown. It was a completed pass, but uh, everyone come up to me over the last couple of years and they'll be like, oh, I remember back in 2016 against Louisville, we ran on the field to celebrate the win and I think you threw a touchdown that game. And I was like, yeah, it was a great game, wasn't it? <laughs> 
But um, yeah, I just uh, I just threw it 15 yards to this long snapper. We had a set play. I, I practiced that for weeks and weeks and weeks before it. Some passes were like Tom Brady like. Some passes were a Mitch Trubisky like. And um, yeah. I had a good one on the night and uh, I look back and I, I watched it the other day and it gave me chills and I was like, that's pretty cool. Australian um, punters are famous for pulling off some big hits. I think Darren Bennett was the pioneer because m- most punters, uh, the local versions, they'll trip over their shoelaces rather than pull over a, off a big hit. And I'd do the same thing if a bloke yeah. 160 kilograms is running at me. I'd probably trip over as well. But um, the Aussies are famous for pulling off some big hits. Did you pull that's off any big hits thing, in your um, That's a good thing about getting an Australian punter. They're more athletic and yeah. more stronger than your American punter. So that's why the coaches are happy to, to throw us out there. But uh, I didn't get any big hits. I um, I had a few chances for uh, some tackles and and um, made the right choice. Because usually when they're running one-on-one with a punter, they don't keep going straight if you're a 6'7", 230-pound guy. They'll try and run around yeah. you or cut. So you have to try and guess which way they're kind of like going to shuffle around you. And um, i got a few like shoulder bumps in every now and then just try and slow them down so everyone else can tackle them. And then uh, one time, uh, I think there was a flag thrown, so it didn't even count. But I ran over to the sideline and the guy was like with me. So I'm like, I just have to throw my body at him because like he's going to go out. And as I did that, I hit him. And then the big linebacker for our team hit us both. And I was like slamming my head on the ground. I was like sore for a few days. But um, thank- thankfully, the strength coach, uh, the strength coaches at University of Houston, we had this really strong neck training program. So I was pretty good. I could have like hurt myself if they hadn't set me up. It's such a tough sport. I remember Troy Aikman, if he didn't get sacked, he used to take out his offensive lineman for dinner. It had cost him about 10 grand because they'd be having about 12 T-bones each for entree. Mm. But uh, I don't blame him because if you get hit and you're like this, the yeah. bloke is 140 kilograms at full pace. No wonder they wear padding. I, I'm a rugby league fanatic and, and they always amaze that we don't wear padding. But in that sport, when you've got blokes running like that, that big, when you've got your back turned and... yeah. It's crazy. Some of those guys, like um, I, I know Ed Oliver, he was a first-round draft pick. He's at the Bills right now. He runs quicker than like Gary Ablett or Gary Rowan at their pace, and he's like 130, 140 kilos. And, Dane, who's the, um, the big Australian guy that got drafted to uh, Philadelphia Eagles? That's uh, Cameron – oh, no, that's, that's Jordan Mylata. He, uh, I thought you were talking about punters, but uh, Cam Johnston's there. He's not the big Australian, but uh, no, he, no. he's definitely a great, uh, great punter. He's leading the um, the NFL in average punt in history, so that's pretty cool. But Jordan uh, Jordan Mylata was on the um, – I think it was on the sup list for the Eagles, and I think he, they've moved him to the main list. He was injured last year, and, um, yeah, I think, I think that's him. And um... – Aaron Sipos, who did he get drafted by? Uh, he wasn't drafted in the oh. end. Um, he was told during the draft that like three teams were going to pick him, pick him up with the next pick, and that happens every year. And then, unlucky for him, he didn't end up getting picked. Um, right after the draft, Detroit signed him as an undrafted free agent, and uh, that's because he was over there and he had some meetings and he had a, a he had a really good combine uh, NFL combine. And where he like punted and showed everyone what he could do. So straight after the draft, uh, the Detroit Lions signed him. He was there all um, preseason, and then right 
as they were making their cuts from 80 people to 53, he was one of the players cut. And then 24 hours later, they sign him on their practice squad. And usually punters don't get signed on the practice squad because it's like we can just pick up anyone. But because there's new COVID rules this year, um, there pretty much was like, well, we need a punter just in case our punter gets sick and we can't actually replace him. Yep. So he's doing pretty well on the practice squad. And like, that's actually a decent income. And um, like, that's really successful for him and he'll, he'll have his chance again. And uh, it was kind of a goal of mine, but it didn't happen. So uh, you just got to move on to the next goal. It's got to be one of the most cutthroat professions. I remember Benny Graham was at a team, I forget who it was. And they said, you're not getting in the team photo after the match. He said, why not? He, they said, you're not on the team anymore. So that's how he found out he was sacked. But then they signed him again <laughs> a few weeks yeah. later or something. So it's, it, cut, it's cut, such cut a crazy, him. crazy life to live as an NFL free agent, because like, if you don't, if you're not on a team, you're like, well, where's my next paycheck coming from? And you keep training and all that. So it's like you have to have that mentality, and you, you do have to have a bit of um, financial support behind you to keep doing that. And um, so I think it's like all those guys who who do it, and like that's that's pretty good work because like it's it's such an uncertain thing. And it's pretty hard to be picked up in the NFL draft too, Dane. I, I noticed I had a look back at uh, this year's draft. There are only two punters drafted in the. Two, out of two hundred and fifty-five selections, there are only two punters drafted. Yeah, it's um, it's not really a position that gets drafted. You have to be a good player, and, and both those punters that were drafted, they were under six foot, so um, they were pretty good punters, but uh, not very big. Um, the year before, I think um, they picked up a few. I know Mitch Wisniewski from um, Perth. He played for Utah, and now he's at the 49ers. And um, I think Dicko before that, Michael Dixon, who was at um, the Sydney Swans sup list, or like the reserves, he played for Texas at Austin, and now he's at um, the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, they're both really, really good uh, Aussie punters. And uh, hopefully at the end of this year, another draft will come around and um, a few of the punters will go there. I want to keep an eye out for Max Duffy, James Smith, and um, Blake Hayes there. It's uh, Kentucky, Cincinnati, and um, Illinois. So they're the, they're the big Aussies coming through next. Um, and were they all through pro kick as well? With they are all Nathan through Chapman? pro kick. Pretty yeah. much 99% of uh, Aussie punters over in America come through pro kick because uh, we're, we're a strong program here in Australia. We've got proven results and um, a lot of places try and um, like start something up in Australia, but it's just... It's just a bit Mickey Mouse compared to like the professional setup at Pro Kick. Have you found any big cultural changes coming from AFL to playing NFL, or is there any big kind of differences in the two kind of sports or two kind of clubs coming across that you found? Yeah, definitely. Um, the position groups in uh, like American football, you are with your position groups a lot. Like I was hanging around the specialists, as we call them, so the kickers, the punters and the long snappers and we would go to our meetings and then we would go, um, go lift together and all that. And sometimes we do it with, a, with like other groups, but um, the offense and defense just have so many different meetings and, and all that. And they, they're pretty much practicing all the time. So we do spend a lot of time with each other at practice. And then when you uh, think about it, it's like, well, unless you're living with another different position, like mainly you would, hang around with the specialists just socially as well. So that's one thing. And I know in, in Australian football, you would just hang around with your mates. It wouldn't be position related. 
and that sort of happens. But um, yeah, you do spend a lot of time uh, at the facility with your your teammates in that uh, specific position. Well, thanks, Dane, for spending some time talking to us about your path through college football. Um, we at Sports Fan Radio wish you all the best. We'll be keeping an eye on your uh, career and we hope that you'll get onto an NFL team and we'll be able to watch you uh, on either Fox or ESPN in the future. No well, thanks for having me. And, thanks, uh, Dane. And go Cougs. Thanks, thanks very much, mate. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Our next podcast will feature Alexandra Gotts, who is researching the long-term effects of concussion in sport. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend. Thank you.